Welcome to Elemental Whispers, a podcast dedicated to creating pathways of remembrance through the sharing of personal experiences and real-life sacred stories of working with the community of other world beings for healing, growth, and joyful enchantment. I'm Diamira Rose D'Agostino, and this is my gift to you, a podcast that is really meant to be a doorway May it illuminate this pathway of magical remembrance. May its medicine of enchantment guide you in your elemental journey of soul, earth, and spirit. Hello, everyone. This is Diamira, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Elemental Whispers podcast. I have quite a number of things to update you on, and they just so happen to weave into a perfect story whose theme I really want to bring forward for today's episode. Now, at first glance, the topic of today's conversation is anything but sexy. And just to get straight to the point, I'm sure you read the title of the episode, but we are going to be talking about letting go and release. We're also going to be exploring how we can honor the death process. As I said, perhaps at first glance, this topic is anything but sexy. However, one of the ways that my brain works is thinking about a lot of topics or themes in the context of astrological energies. And as a woman of the Northern Hemisphere, I am very joyfully welcoming in the season of fall. It has gotten really cold here really quickly. I am located in the Shenandoah area of Virginia, the Blue Ridge, particularly just above the Rockfish River Valley. The mountain I live on is called Ennis Mountain. That is its today's name, and I don't know what its name has been throughout the ages. The leaves are falling, some even before they're changing, and it's just a glorious briskness to everything. This time of year is what we consider the waning part of the year. Now, technically, the waning part of the year begins to unfold after summer solstice. So the sun reaches its zenith in the sky, and every moment after that, the sun is actually, the light is lessening right? The days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And then we get to the fall equinox and we have equal day and equal night. And then after the fall equinox, we begin to have more darkness than light until we get all the way to the winter solstice, which is, of course, the shortest day of the year. And then the light begins to grow. So we are in the waning part of the year, and we are also in the dark part of the year here in the Northern Hemisphere. I am not going to continue to refer to the Northern Hemisphere because I already feel like I've spoken in presence that I am speaking from that point of view. If you are, of course, in the Southern Hemisphere, then you have the opposite experience that I'm having right now, which makes this dance even more rich and more nuanced and exciting. So we're in this dark time where the veil between the worlds grows thin. And it could be argued based on the times that we are in, both how we measure those times with what we see, the breakdown, the dismantling of structures in society that we see as we look out at the world, but also from a greater astrological context. And of course, quite a number of traditional peoples and societies have a great many words of wisdom to impart about these times that we are in. What I have experienced in the last few years, probably since since 2012, truth be told, but very, very, very strongly over the last five since 2019, 
is that the veil between the worlds has grown thin. That where there once was more separation between the realms of spirit and us, there is now this growing intersection. And of course, all these conversations need to be so nuanced because, well, there's so many (laughs) exceptions to the rule, right? There are thin places on this earth, places that either due to their energy, their earth energies, meaning intersections of ley lines and grid lines, creating uh, power spots, energetic portals, that they are thin, or possibly because they are places that have held and been witness to a great many centuries of ceremony. And sometimes those two things actually go hand in hand. The reason some places have the history of having so much ceremony over the centuries is because they are places of power whose energy currents underneath the earth run and intersect with one another. And so these these thin places, as I call them, these are, of course, places where the veil between the worlds is thin. And these places are always, always offering a portal, an entrance to the world of spirit for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. And let us not forget a heart to act as a key to these realms. That was one of the first teachings that I received from the fairy people many, many, many years ago when I was still a youngling (laughs) and I was mentoring with the beings in the inner world and they shared with me that the heart is the doorway, love is the key to fairy. And this could be expanded to all of the spirit world, but on first glance, this This saying, this teaching sounds cliche, it sounds sentimental, but over time, I became aware of the wisdom of it. So simple, and it can be glossed over in some new age (laughs) love and light moment of spiritual bypass, but that is not, that is not how it was intended how it was intended is literally pointing to the heart as the organ of perception. And that so many traditional cultures and the ancients certainly operated from heart consciousness. And this is not the same as empathy or compassion, although all of those are beautiful qualities and gifts to have. But this is literally in line with what some of the wonderful scientific studies are coming forward with specifically leading this is the Heart Math Institute. And they are showing that the heart does indeed have an intelligence, that its electric and magnetic field are greater than that of the brain. It can actually entrain the brain into a state of coherence in which they are both operating in a beautiful, communicative, holistic relationship with one another. And that perceiving from the heart is a more expanded way of experiencing reality. And so if we allow that idea of the heart to sink in, or maybe the idea of the heart as the chakra, the heart center, the heart chakra as the chakra in between the three upper chakras and the three lower chakras, creating that gateway between spirit and matter. The heart is the doorway. And then love is the key. Love, again, not that sentimental love, but accessing that universal love, that love that can be entered into from a state of appreciation or gratitude, awe and wonder, and that unlocks our doorway that is the heart. And then through that state of consciousness, we can easily enter into the spirit world, certainly in these thin places. But if we are able to engage the heart in this way, we can enter into the spirit world anywhere. And so these are the different layers of of this conversation. And then coming back full circle, we have, of course, 
this time period that we are in right now, which is the waning time, the time of the ancestors when the veil between the worlds thins. So even as we are experiencing a thinning of the veils over these last few years, then we can still notice, I notice a nuanced difference in this time period of year, in this waning part. So in addition to this time of year, we are also at the time of recording in the part of the lunar cycle that is waning. In fact, as I record, we are in, we are just past the last quarter moon. We are in that period of about to enter the balsamic phase of the lunar cycle, which is that dark of the moon. And this is a time of letting go and release. All of these layers for me, they don't confuse things. I look at them as richness. It's like a glorious aged wine. It's teasing out the different flavors and the different textures and the different aromas. Or it reminds me of a story that has a very obvious plot point and direction. And yet when you look deeper or each time you return to the story, you see other layers, other mysteries that are being revealed to you, other symbols that you didn't notice the first time around, or maybe that they just weren't speaking to you at that time because you were in a different place. And that happens for me all the time. So we have these layering of energies right now. <laughs> this, the waning part of the year, the waning part of the lunar cycle. With that, I felt like it was a perfect opportunity to speak and share about letting go, release, and death. I recently sent an email sharing this topic of release and what is so perfect <laughs> for this episode is that I actually recorded this episode to go along with that email that I was sharing. And I recorded this beautiful episode and it was 45 minutes and it was great. And I was using a different recording mechanism. And at the end, I went to upload it to my podcast host and I couldn't find the file. It hadn't. And I looked and I looked and then I realized this new recording mechanism requires you to actually take this other step and save it. it, it you can't just complete the recording and then it saves. This 45 minute episode I had recorded for you was just gone. <laughs> And I was slightly annoyed for a couple of minutes. And then I thought, how perfect. Oh, spirit, you tease. <laughs> because how perfect, like a lesson within a lesson. A, again, those beautiful rich layers. And how meta is that for me to be sharing about release and letting go then I have to release and let go of this episode recording that I made. Now, sometimes that might give me pause and invite me to check in further and see, well, was that just for me? Do I need to re-record it? At the time, I felt like I needed to just send the email message and again, letting go of that attachment, letting go that this has to be like this or this is the order that needs to unfold. And so I let go of all that. And I sent the email. And then I let it simmer for a day. Just because I wanted to really see if the energy was still there. But then the energy was really strong today. It was really strong. I was out in the garden. And I was praying in to the garden. It's a whole process that whenever I work in the garden and recently I have been blessed with a garden angel and she is coming a couple of times a week and she's been amazing. She's been such a blessing. 
when she arrives, she and I will pray in. We will do an opening prayer that sets the energy, the intention for that gardening session and invites in the collaborative partnering with the other world. And then we will open to the star temple that's anchored in the heart of the garden. And we open the temple doors. And that begins uh, the session. So I'm praying into the garden today. The energy of these stories that want to be spoken, that want to be shared, just rose up from the heart of the garden. You will learn that the reason they are so connected to the garden is that these stories that I want to share are related to the update that I want to share and certain essences and all keeping in line with this theme of letting go and release. So the last layer before I get into those stories that I want to speak to, we talked about just the energies of these times. We've talked about the, uh, not the astrological energies yet. We've talked about the solar cycle and the energy of the waning part of the year. And we've talked about the lunar part of the cycle, which we are right now in that last quarter phase of the cycle. And then this last layer is the astrological component, which is that this is the time of Scorpio. We are technically still in the time of Libra, where the sun is in Libra, but soon we will enter, the sun will enter zero degrees Scorpio. And we are coming up on a new moon, solar eclipse in Scorpio on October 25th. That is going to be around, I believe, 6.50 a.m. Eastern time. Why am I mentioning Scorpio? Well, Scorpio, I said at the beginning that death does not at first glance seem like a sexy topic, but I would argue that. <laughs> and here's here's my take on this. In the way that my culture has decided to relegate death to this dark corner of sadness and not really wanting to look at it or deal with it, and that manifests in so many ways. And I'm not just talking about the dying or crossing over of a human life. I'm actually talking about all forms of death. I'm talking about death of a relationship, death of a job, death of a project. I am talking about death of less tangible ideas like death of an identity. I personally had my own little mini experience of this a couple of years ago where I really went into looking at my identities, especially spiritual identities. I just kind of wanted to strip myself of all identities and look at where I had had attachments to these identities. Where were these identities limiting me in my expression? Where had they stunted my growth? Where had they once served, but now they no longer did? Spiritual traditions or practices beliefs or belief systems. Beliefs serve us as much as they cause so many problems, right? Polarization, right versus left. Beliefs serve until they don't. And it's important to always examine our beliefs and see which beliefs we're operating from that perhaps we're not even aware of. This is a great time for all of that, for examining those less tangible things that we need to let go of. What's really important to name here is that just because we're letting something go doesn't mean we can't do so with great honoring, with great gratitude. Even if the thing that we're letting go is, I'm pausing because my cat just raced across the yard. I'm certain that he's hunting some poor unsuspecting creature. <laughs> the way that he raced, he's in that stalking mode. And I intervene about half the time. Another half the time I allow nature to take its course, which just 
again, feels very perfect for this conversation. Death gets a bad rap in our culture. We don't usually want to talk about it because we tend to overstay our welcome in situations, relationships, jobs. Maybe it's out of security. Maybe it's out of the fear of the unknown. We can be really unhappy, but we will still stick with something because there's some comfort to the known. And true death takes energy. And that's going to circle us back to Scorpio in just a moment. So we resist it. And then what we, when we resist it, what happens is it goes way past its point of expiration. And then it blows up in some volatile mess. Then the relationship ends in chaos and resentment and anger or the job we get fired or we leave in a yelling match that goes up in fire and smoke. But if we look back, and I have done this so often, is we can see that the writing was on the wall so long ago. We had been given so many intuitive nudges Look for a different job. This is not serving you anymore. You're not really happy. You're not challenged. You're bored. Things have changed. The dynamics have changed. They don't serve anymore. I feel that that's one reason that death gets a bad rap is because we have sometimes painful memories of loss. And I'm not saying that loss, especially with people we love, is not painful. That is not what I'm saying here. I am saying that Sometimes we make that which is completing more painful because we resist letting go. With this energy, this astrological energy that is upon us, Scorpio, which we're about to come into, Scorpio is the energy of death. Scorpio is the energy of the underworld. But each of these signs has an opposite that it sits across from. And in the opposite, we can learn a great deal. And Taurus is opposite Scorpio. And Taurus is the energy of the springtime. It's when everything's starting to bloom. And why does it bloom? Depending on how well the soil has been tended, depending on how the ground was prepared and tended in the fall before, how much compost, how much was allowed to die and turn into that which is now being composted and fed, right? The leaves fall from the trees, the leaves settle on the ground if we let them, and they become nutrients that feed the earth, that then create that beautiful loamy soil that we experience in an old forest. That compost, think of the energy. If you ever have a compost pile, how it heats up. That takes energy, and that's why I say death takes energy. To die a good death takes energy. To have that space holding, to allow and honor that which is completing. This is not about some stoic honoring. Honoring can be the sadness and the grief and the emotions and all of these pieces. They, it so can. And it also can be the looking back of the lessons harvested. Even if something is completing that you are so done with, you can still harvest the lessons. What, what, how do you want to memorialize that which is passing? This time of the year, Scorpio reminds us to go deep, to look at the roots, to penetrate the darkness, and to contemplate death, to ask ourselves what needs to die. Death can be beautiful. Gosh, there's so much beauty in death. The image that I'm getting right now, the image of a log that has fallen, a dead limb from a tree that has fallen. And I remember many years ago, the spirit of a deer actually pointed out to me that within death is so much life. I just saw this world of light as I pierced with my inner eye, the darkness of that log, this world of light. And much later I learned, scientifically speaking, that that actually is true that in a dead log, there's more life than in a live limb. And what is meant by that is because there are so many microorganisms 
that are actually being fed and alive. There are so many little creatures and fungi and mycelia and all kinds of life and beings that are coming forward through that death process. And so death is really dynamic. So I'm just wanting to invite us into looking and exploring death from these other angles. So Scorpio is this deeper look into that which is composting, that which is disintegrating, that which is decomposing. And one of the essences that is so connected to this transition between life and death is ghost pipe. Ghost pipe is such a unique plant. If you've ever seen ghost pipe, he is opaque. There's no chlorophyll, so no green. It's just an opaque white plant that shoots up from the underworld. When I discovered him on the land here at New Avalon, I was so excited and it was such a joyful, unexpected surprise. Some plant botanicalists, they've been considered nearing towards that endangered, endangered species level. And of course, to collect the essence, I did not harvest the ghost pipe. I allowed the collection to unfold without physical harvesting, which is very much possible when we're working with these vibrational spirit realms. And so ghost pipe is a beautiful essence for these times. And so is Morgana, Morgana in the Fairy Kings and Queens collection. But I digress a bit because... And I feel like that's the essences working their way into the story. So what does this have to do with the update that I want to share and the essences that I mentioned? Well, as you know, or maybe you don't know, I have made a decision to move our Elemental Whispers Essence Store off of Etsy. Now, this move is taking longer than I had anticipated. And there were a lot of thoughts and ideas that went into this move. And I'm really glad that I made this move because it was time. And that acts as another example of letting go. The Etsy store came to a point where it had served its purpose. It was very supportive for our initial foray into the world to share with you these essences. And now that is complete. And I had known that that was it was complete for the last couple months. This was in a circumstance where I wouldn't say I overstayed my welcome, but I was bordering up on overstaying my welcome. And the reason for it, I had one of those nice, logical, thought-out reasons, is because I was waiting until I had my Elemental Whispers Essences website built out. Well, if any of you have ever undertaken a website build out, you know it is no small feat. And I had had it on my calendar for the whole year and we kept moving the project and moving the project and moving the project. And it was just a daunting task because of some of the other projects that were going on. And finally, I had this brilliant stroke of genius moment where I thought, wait a minute, why am I letting that be the thing that's stopping me from moving the store? If I don't want the store on Etsy anymore, then I need to move the store. And there is a way to do that. That's not the perfect, polished, Elemental Whispers, new, brand new website. And that is a halfway hybrid, which is moving the Essence store to my own website that I already have, which is dmurarose.com. It seems so simple. And yet, it took me a while to get there. What finally pushed me over the edge is that I started to get a little grumpy. 
And grumpiness for me always signals that I need to take a look at something because something, some agreement or some situation that I am involved in is no longer working for me in its current expression. And it's just, yeah, a beautiful indicating factor to have a little closer look, which I did. And that's when this stroke of genius dropped in that for you might be obvious, but for me was not. So that move is happening, as you know, and I had expected it to be finished around the time when I got back from a retreat that I was co-facilitating in Colorado, but it is not yet completed yet. And it hopefully will be by the end of the month, but we are awaiting that. Now, if for some reason you are chomping at the bit and clamoring and you really, there's some essences you want to order for the season, then please just send an email to connect at dmurarose.com. Let us know which essences you want. We will process the order manually. So that will be that. Now, to that, I will add that speaking of orders, as we've had this extended time where Elemental Whispers Essence Store has been offline. I've had a lot of time to contemplate and think about things. This is again in keeping with letting go and release. And one of the things I kept bumping up against was that I started to think that I had too many essences in the line, in the collections. Part of what led me to that is that I know it's hard for people practitioners excluded, for just the layperson who is wanting to get into essences and you see all these essences, it can be it can be a lot, right? You're trying to search through which one is right, which one without the guidance of a trained practitioner, how do you know which essences to choose? Some are similar. To that, I would always encourage people to use their intuition. And so this decision that I'm going to share about with you about letting go, this story, is not solely based on just the fact that I feel like there's too many essences, but there were a number of factors that started to come up. One is that I have some new essences that I want to introduce to the collection. And some of you may have been already exposed and have the great... blessing and pleasure to have received some of these essences in their pre-order period, which were the essences I collected during the Avalon pilgrimage from the lands of England and Wales. There are six of those essences, I believe, and those want to go into the regular collections. There are some other essences that I've collected when I was on a trip to Serpent Mound and Ohio last year. So there are a handful of essences, a little bit more (laughs) a big overflowing handful of essences that want to come into the collection. And I've held them back. And when I went into why I was holding them back, I realized that it was because I didn't feel like they had any space. It was, there was no space for them to grow. So I really had to sit with that and ask myself, what was being asked here? What was arising? What I came to was something very interesting, which was that I needed to go back to what makes Elemental Whispers Essences unique. I needed to ask myself that question. I needed to answer that question. And I needed to see if that question was being, or that answer was being transmitted in the sharing of the essences. What I came up with was what makes Elemental Whispers essences unique is that these essences, particularly the essences in the Fairy Kings and Queens collection, as well as the essences in the Magical Spaces and Places collection, these essences are living pathways to connect humanity with fairy. They are essentially portals in a bottle to open up and help us cultivate a relationship with fairy. There are a lot of layers of this, of course, and some of them are more specific in that they actually can help us heal different blocks 
fears, energies that come up when we begin to explore a connection with spirit, with the realm of fairy. This can go into really, really, really deep conversations around ancestral healing, past life healing. There is so much here when it comes to the expansive possibilities of these essences. I've been working with clients and students for a really, really, really long time. What I would notice when they would embark on a journey of connection with fairy. And maybe they already had in their heart, they felt connected, but they didn't maybe have an understanding of how to cultivate that relationship further. Or maybe they had the connection in their heart and in their consciousness, but they didn't know how to actually make it real in their everyday life. They There's a difference between having a knowing of, oh, I have very profound affinity for fairy versus I actually have a living relationship with these beings, with this energetic and with this world. Very, very, very different. And then also very different to have one interaction with a being, seeing a being, for example, versus actually opening out and forging relationship and partnership and allyship with the whole of the realm or with multiple groups and energies and beings within the realm. So these are all different levels of communication and allyship between these realms. And as I've shared in other episodes, there is a great importance for that right now. And with this, going back to the beginning of what I was sharing, these times and this time of year, there is an added invitation and an added strength to support you if that is your desire right now. So what I would observe when I was working with clients and students is that, of course, they would have all of the wide-eyed, bushy-tail wonder (laughs) of a kid on Christmas morning or, or use your respective analogy of excitement. But then they would begin to forge along on this path and issues would come up. And maybe I'll do another episode on really going into what some of those issues are. But just as a very quick synopsis, they would come up against fear, doubt, projections, having fears and questioning, are they safe? Are they not safe? What's that energy? I don't understand. And this is where discernment really comes in so strong because we need to be able to discern if what we're sensing is information about an energy or being that we're experiencing, or if that is somehow being colored by some issue or unresolved pattern within us. That is almost certainly what happens as you go deeper on this path. These old fears, these old unprocessed shadow memories have to come forward in order for us to have a relationship that is whole and not filled with our own delusions and projections and unintegrated shadow. So the essences really help support this journey in all of its many phases. That's the beauty and the uniqueness of Elemental Whispers Essences, is the connection and the pathways that they support us in creating to fairy. Now, yes, of course, each of the essences has its own very specific medicine. And working with any of these essences actually helps you cultivate a relationship with fairy. Even if the medicine is a very specific, for example, the Lady of the Woods and her medicine is very specific around helping you hold the tension of a dream that you are birthing so that you can birth it at the right and perfect time. Yes, that is 
her overt medicine. But there are layers and layers to her medicine. She is a guardian of New Avalon. And so she also acts as a guardian of those who she works with. She helps us remember what it is to be a guardian of land, of the dragon lines within the land. Why do I say that? There was one time I was uh, about ready to go to sleep. I was laying in bed and something called my attention out to New Avalon. Now I was tucked in. I was warm. I was not getting up and going outside, but I don't have to. I can travel in my inner vision. And so I did. And so I traveled to one of the meeting spots that she and I and the High Council of New Avalon tend to meet within and at, whether physically or on an energetic level. And I moved my attention to that area and I saw her and she was channeling the light of the stars. When I often see her, she will have the stars in her eyes, but it was as if the stars in her eyes were lit up in full activation. And there was this beam of starlight coming down and there were these three ley lines converging in that place where we meet. And she was holding them, holding the tension of them as if they were anchoring and repatterning themselves to align with the grid of the new earth. This was several years ago. And so this gave me another inroad into her medicine. Oh, wow. Not only you can feel that tension, how she's holding the power of these serpent lines. She wasn't holding them in, please don't misunderstand me. I, it wasn't <laughs> any kind of imprisonment. She was holding them as they were repatterning themselves. As if like, pulling up, imagine yourself pulling up three strings and you're relaying the pattern of the strings. And so you have to lift them up. That was almost the image exactly that I saw. And she was holding these energies and she wouldn't set them down until they had completely repatterned in the way that they were wanting to. And so there's this beautiful holding of the tension, but also at a deeper level, reminding us what it is to priestess with the land, to priestess with the serpentine forces of the land, to be in great harmony with these forces. These are all energies that I don't write into the definition because I could write a book about each of these essences. So each of these essences have multiple layers. And then working with her, even at all those layers, she is an elven queen. She is an elven priestess of the highest caliber of the highest order, and to take her essences to cultivate relationship with her. Maybe it's just for that time, for whatever you're journeying. And maybe it's for many, many, many moons and suns to come. And maybe it's simply a jumping off point to help you reforge your connection with the whole of fairy itself. And she becomes this midwife or this intermediary that allows for that reconnection to unfold. And then you can meet that without her. So I'm taking one essence and just showing you the possibility. So when I tuned back in and when I really sat with, this is the specialty of Elemental Whispers essences. And as such, it didn't make sense to have a collection within the Elemental Whispers Essence line of 30 some odd essences that are flowers. Now, please do not mishear me. Flower essences are gorgeous. I love them. I add them to almost every formula. If you took my Elemental Alchemy class, you heard me talk about the different roles I feel that each of the kinds of essences, a gem essence, a flower essence, a tree essence, a fairy essence, a dragon essence, a sacred site essence. Each of these essences play a different role in the formula. It doesn't mean you need all of them in every formula. Please, God and goddess, no. <laughs> um, it just means that they all play different roles and depending on your intentions is going to be how you would build a formula for yourself. But the flower essences, they become the glue of filler. And yet, there are so many companies out there that 
have gorgeous flower essences. Priestesses of the Rose essences, formerly known as Gaia's Wisdom essences, that Amaya Cohen, one of my flower essence teachers, that's her line. And it's beautiful. Delta Gardens has lovely flower essences. I particularly also enjoy Paralandra essences. They were the first essences that I used long, long, long ago. So I have a special spot in my heart for them, even though I don't use them as much anymore. But there's so many essence, beautiful essence producers out there that do the flower essences so well. And it doesn't mean that if I really felt called to do flower essences, and you will see there are going to be flower essences that continue to remain in the New Avalon garden and forest collection for now. It's just some of them definitely want to remain, but I don't need as many. I want each essence to be hyper intentional in terms of why it's there, what place it's filling, and also knowing and trusting that Elemental Whispers essences, again, what we do best is support those pathways and reconnections with fairy. So once I return to truth or essence of elemental whispers, essences, I understood that it was time to release quite a few essences from the line. These are essences that I love. And I remember the collection of each one. It's like the birth of a child. I will never forget that moment of communion. And in some cases, I'm going to be keeping their mother tinctures in the vault for myself personally, or maybe for programs or containers that I hold in the future. They might be woven into formulas or maybe for clients at some point. For right now, though, they are clearing from the collection to make space for that which is new and wanting to join the collection. Also, to really come back to clarifying and highlighting and showcasing that which we are genius at, that which I know that I excel at, which is translating my 20 years of experience of cultivating relationship with fairy into these bottles of essences that can be shared with all of you. So as I really had to get clear with who was leaving the collection, I brought in my beautiful friend who also works with me and supports me in the business, Rosemary Quaid Nichols, who you heard her and met her on one of the prior episodes. She was a real big help in this process of elimination because there were some essences that I just knew they had completed their journey within the essence line and they wanted to be removed. And then there were others that I really noticed I had an attachment. It was that kind of attachment that it wasn't that I was going against myself. It was more that attachment of I was too close to it. I was too close to this, these essences, to be able to make a clear decision on this. And I needed another set of spirit eyes and another heart who has deep regard and love and respect for the essences and does also not have the attachment that I do to the point of their birth and to being in that communion with them. So together we went through and the way we did it is we sat in the New Avalon Temple Garden, and we had tea, and we actually did this on my birthday last week, and we went through the list of essences, and I would name an essence, and she would be like, nope, or 
stays. And she would intuitively go with the energy. And a lot of times it was match up to mine. And the times where I was attached, I would be having that moment of, oh, yes, I know, you're right. And I hadn't really wanted to admit it moment. So it was really a beautiful experience. I'm so grateful. So I want to name the essences that are being released from the collection as a way to honor them, as a way to give them a good death. We are going to be doing a whole ceremony around letting them go, letting a lot of their mother tinctures even return back to the earth. So let us name these essences now and honor them each very deeply. They are blueberry flower essence, calendula flower essence, magenta rose flower essence, red bud tree and flower essence, strawberry flower essence, goldenrod flower essence, fuchsia azalea flower essence, daffodil flower essence, lilac flower essence, and lobelia flower essence. These are the essences that are leaving the essence line and will be available to you while supplies last. I'm going to be putting on sale these particular essences to hopefully find them a good home because they are profound and I'm going to offer them at an extraordinary discount of 50% off their original listing price. So they were originally listed for $22 and I'm going to uh, have them on sale for $11 each plus shipping. And so this will be part of that email order that I was mentioning. If you are feeling called to any of these essences, please just send me an email with your order at connectatdiamirarose.com. Let me know which ones you want. Please also mention your shipping address. That'll be really important to calculate the shipping cost. So those are the essences and I want to speak a few words about some of them. Words that I think will convey their magic and the love I feel for them as a sort of memorial. I'm not going to be sharing the medicine definitions on here that I've written for them. You can refer to the Elemental Whispers Essence catalog for those definitions. I'll put that link in the show notes so you can peruse that. But I do want to mention a couple of notes about some of these. So Blueberry Flower Essence was collected last year. I have two mature blueberry bushes outside the main entrance to the new Avalon Temple Garden. Also, my partner and I planted three blueberry bushes about three years ago, and those are just starting to take off. In the next year or two, they will be much fuller and fruit-producing all of the things (laughs) that we imagine when we think of a blueberry bush. But the ones that were uh, used in this essence collection were actually the mature ones that are on the outside, just at the entrance. They kind of stand as guardians of New Avalon, the main temple garden. So that essence collection was around June. I was sitting in that essence collection and oftentimes as I'm sitting in that space of ceremony, different things will happen and I need to be aware so I can observe those happenings so that then I can know more about the medicine of the essence I'm collecting. And that's how I learn. I just watch everything because the whole process is a ceremony. And with blueberry, one of the things that started happening was my mind and attention was being drawn to a lot of parts of the garden and even the outskirts of the forest that needed attention or were 
maybe not doing well, or maybe there was some sort of fungal situation, or there was some sort of tree that kind of needed to be cut down because it was already starting to go, or any number of items that in my mind needed to be addressed. I just felt the blueberry essence rise up and amplify this experience. And I realized what was happening was that the blueberry flower essence was helping me see all of the places where I was looking at life, where the glass is half empty, or I was looking at life and rather than notice the beauty, notice the gift, the perfection in even the imperfections, I was focusing on the flaws or what needed to be done. And then of course, I was looking outside of myself, but then of course, this translates also to looking within. So it was a really extraordinary experience. And that's what I want to honor about Blueberry. And magenta rose is really special. I have two magenta roses in the collection at the moment. And one is made traditionally essenced in water and sunlight. And the first one I collected quite a number of years ago was actually made somewhat non-traditionally, though is becoming much more prevalent now, is I made it in the moonlight. That was one of the first essences I collected here at New Avalon. It was one of the first essences I collected. I had collected essences before, but not many. So this essence, Magenta Rose, is very near and dear to my heart. Not just because of that, but because it is the rose that was and is, in some ways, the heart of New Avalon. Now, the heart of New Avalon actually exists on the inner planes, but this rose symbolized the heart of New Avalon to me. And I'm using the past tense here because about a year ago, I noticed that this rose got a black spot disease. And I spent a lot of time being with that, and I've offered her, you know, neem treatments and we've done a lot of essence work together meaning that I've given her essences and I've done beautiful ceremonies with rose petals to help her just remember her own health and it's just been a beauty to work with her and I got really clear this last year that her time is we talked about letting go and this is part of that I need to let her go. So in letting her go, it's that honoring of letting her go. I'm releasing the magenta rose in sunlight essence from the collection back to the earth. It'll be the way that I celebrate her life and her end as well. And the magenta rose in moonlight is going to remain for the time being. My sense is that it'll actually come out of the collection and be reserved for very special moments and programs. The red bud tree and flower essence was actually an essence that I created and collected as a commission. I have a dear friend, Courtney Long. She joined me on a panel discussion of essences when I had my essence release party last year. I'll link to that in the show notes. But she actually had a dream about a particular flowering tree. And she didn't know what the tree was, but she had messaged me and said that she had this dream and what it looked like and she really felt like she was supposed to work with the essence. Of course, as soon as she explained the tree, I knew exactly who it was. It came into my mind that it was Red Bud. I agreed to do this collection. It felt really beautiful and felt really timely because they were just in bloom And so I set out and I found Redbud in my forest here. I collected this essence in two parts. That's how the spirit of Redbud 
invited me to do this collection. And I collected the essence first at the tree that was in the forest. And I collected the essence from the tree itself. Then there was a red bud that's just up the way from me on the street next to mine. And it's this beautiful tree that flowers and greets everyone as they come into this area and as they go out. So this is the tree that wanted to be um, worked with for the flower part. So I collected flowers from this tree, buds, flower buds, and essenced the flower of the tree. And then I kept those essence mothers separate in storage. But when I make the essences, I actually combine them to make a stock essence. So it's both tree and flower. That's how the spirit of Redbud wanted the essence to be created. So those are some of the stories of these essences. I'm just looking at the list of them and seeing if any other mention needs to unfold. And I just keep seeing goldenrod, 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 goldenrod. So goldenrod was a, is a real hard one for me, meaning that it was a very hard choice to remove goldenrod from the collection because, well, if you've ever seen goldenrod, she's just this glorious wave of amber in the wind and signals fall to me and you just see fields of golden all over here the east coast and I love her and she has profound medicine for those herbalists out there if you work with her at an herbal level she has really really beautiful medicine and Arnica is moving into that endangered category and so it's important to find other plants that we might be able to work with no two plants are alike. And even though we use the word analog as if we can swap them out and they will be the same, they're all going to be different. They all have different energy. They are different beings. And there are certain medicinal properties and actions that goldenrod is imbued with that we can work with goldenrod to support us in some of the ways that we work with Arnica, namely to help with any kind of injury or muscle, tendon, soreness. Goldenrod works really beautifully with that. Goldenrod also has an affinity for the kidneys, and so we can work with goldenrod on that level too. But I digress because I'm talking about the herbal actions and medicines and not the essence. The essence when I collected it reminded me of the age of Leo, that golden age that perhaps the ancients spoke of when they spoke of the golden age of Atlantis. And of course, we have every year a taste of this with the Leo season, that golden time of the year when we are noticing the fields of sometimes golden wheat ready to harvest. This is a time of plenty and abundance. When I collected goldenrod, I was so struck by how profound this medicine was for the Aquarian age. Aquarius sits across from Leo. In order to work with something, oftentimes we are guided to work with its opposite, and that cultivates not only both energies within us, but it allows for a balance and integration between the two. So goldenrod essence so clearly to me is an age of Aquarius essence. And what does that mean? Well, some of the positive qualities or characteristics of the age of Aquarius are authenticity, transparency, focused on what is for the good of the whole, and how to use our unique individual gifts in the context of contributing to the betterment of humanity. So it's not about conformity, but rather about knowing what our unique 
qualities are and then being able to shine those so beautifully even when we're in group or in community that we can bless those around us. I feel these essences feel fully loved up, even though I didn't speak to every single one of them. I know that they are in my heart and I am in theirs. And I want to share this with you all. Well, first of all, as an honoring, as a way to honor them and allow you to honor them if you feel so called especially if some of these essences are ones that you have worked with. But I also want to allow this to be perhaps an invitation to explore what within your world is calling to be released. And the key here is to realize that release doesn't always have to mean that you're annoyed with something, or it's not working, or you don't like it, or you don't want it. In fact, that's where we have to get really clear and hone in on understanding what is simply complete. So with that, my friends, I want to wish you a most beautiful last quarter moon, a most beautiful waning time. I will be on here again soon, but probably not before the new moon in Scorpio and the eclipse. And that really will signal the start of the Samhain season. We call that in esoteric circles, lunar Samhain. The new moon in Scorpio is lunar Samhain. So we welcome lunar Samhain. We honor lunar Samhain. And I invite you to explore this time as a time of both letting go and then noticing as you let go, what space is there? And what now that there is so much space, what can be seen? What can be revealed? What can be known that perhaps things were so crowded before that they didn't have the breath to truly be revealed? Thank you so much for hanging out with me and for listening. If you are loving these conversations, explorations, and shares, and they are feeding your soul or stirring something awake and alive within you, then you might want to check out my newly released book, Initiation, My Fairy Soul Awakening. It's a magical memoir detailing my early journey of awakening into the realms of Gaia and fairy. And if you are journeying your own story of healing and remembrance, then definitely check out Elemental Whispers Essences. It's my flower tree and elemental essence line, which are vibrational medicines to support you in this wild journey of ours called Life on Earth. You can find all of this and more at my website, diamirarose.com. Until next time. <laughs>